We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guys, this year for Christmas, give her the next best thing to wearing nothing at all with soft, silky nudies pajamas available exclusively at pajamagram.com. Sensuous and smooth, Nudie's pajamas feel just like her own bare skin. Nudie's is so seductive, she'll love the feeling of wearing next to nothing at all. And you'll love the way they look. Includes free gift packaging and delivery by Christmas is guaranteed. So visit pajamagram.com today. That's pajamagram.com. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 130, Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and my guest this week is no stranger to the podcast game, one half of the Churros y Tacticas podcast. It's Diego Lorin, better known yeah. by some as D-Spot on YouTube, Twitter, and a ton of other places. Diego, it's a surprise. It's taken me this long to have you on the show, <laughs> but I'm glad you're finally here. Hey, man, likewise, likewise. I'm happy to be on. I've been following you guys uh for a long time and uh, was wondering when I was going to get that special invitation to join you guys on this uh, excellent podcast that you guys have produced over these over these years. And the reason it might be a surprise, uh, can you just, I guess, give a little introduction of yourself, not just from the Churrosi Tacticas podcast, but uh, w- what your role kind of is in the Barcelona community and how you got here? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I mean, my background, I'm, I'm half Dutch and half Spanish. My, my mother is uh, Catalana from Barcelona, born and raised. That's why I live uh, now as well, uh, it's been four years that I uh, came back to the motherland, uh, born in Holland, as I said, that's from my father's side. And I've been a, a, a Barca socio uh, since a good, uh, what has it been, 18, 19 years, uh, pretty much became a, a Barca fan through uh, family obligations. I'll never forget the day my grandfather sat me in front of the TV. This is my Spanish grandfather and pointed at the TV screen and said, you know, este hombre? Do you know who this guy is? And I looked at him and I answered quite obvious, said, well, that's Johan Greif. And he said, exactly. And he said, just like your father, he is Dutch. 
And because, you know, he's the Barca coach, this is 1992 we're talking about. Uh, I was about uh, uh, nine years old. He said, because your mother is Catalana and your father is Dutch, you have to promise me to be a Barca supporter. So I've been a Barca supporter ever since, a socio a little bit after that. And uh, life is funny, Dan. Life is funny. It's, uh, I've never really known my place in this working world, in this professional world, until only two years ago. I'm now 37, and two years ago, at the ripe age of 35, I really found my my passion, and or, or I should say, you know, my place in this world. And uh, I had been working as a marketing consultant for uh, nine years, and 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 doing the job uh, heartlessly, if if I uh, can put it quite bluntly. Uh, I, I I was quite miserable in uh, my day-to-day jobs, which was just executing marketing strategies, marketing plans. And it was two years ago where I decided to make a drastic change, which was uh, not necessarily easy to do. I, I, I was married, uh, or I'm married now as well, but I was married then, and we just had our son uh, born. But I had a very open and honest conversation with my wife and, and said, look, uh, I, I want to make a, a change. And the I uh, at that point I was very clear what I wanted to do and and uh, I started out by opening my YouTube channel or launching a YouTube channel I should say which was uh, D Spot and just started going to the stadium I felt that I was in a privileged position geographically but also given you know my, the, the um, my my language skills the knowledge of of, of Spanish English etc so I felt that I could deliver. Barca news in this case uh, from the spot, uh, hence the name D Spot, uh, directly. And uh, so I started to do interviews with fans outside the stadium, trying to get a hold a hold of journalists, etc. And uh, long story short, then I mean, two years later, I'm now uh, in a very uh, privileged position and also very blessed position to be co-hosting uh, um, a program on on television called Viva La Liga uh, on Thursdays. I uh, don't know if you're familiar with that. It's uh, basically a, a La Liga show where we talk about uh, all things Spanish football. Um, and and Semar Hunter is the host there. But I've, uh, I'm uh, the reporter, so the field reporter. And, and I get to also co-host it, interviewing several guests. Uh, on Thursdays, I, uh, uh, I, I do other work for other shows, uh, whether it's uh, transcribing uh, uh, press conferences or vo- doing voiceover work for another uh, La Liga show called La Liga Zap, uh, script writing. Um, of course, the podcast you mentioned, Churros y Tacticas, which I do with my uh, colleague uh, Kian Sovani. And, uh, and, and quite many other things. I mean, recently, about four months ago, uh, I got a call from the club itself, uh, Fútbol Club Barcelona, to take part in this new project of theirs, which is called uh, Barca Live Match Center, where they film us uh, from the Barca studios uh, and we basically discuss the game. We do live match commentating. Uh, you, you can see that on, on all of the official Barca channels and uh, uh, it's uh, Robert, myself, and, and uh, usually two other guests um, where we just, you know, we watch the match and we give live uh, match commentary. We do little fun activities as well uh, during the match. And um, obviously we can't show the match because Barca doesn't have the rights. But mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's a fun project and it's exponentially growing. We had millions of people tune in uh, uh, and locked in as well during the Clásico. So, um yeah, man. I, 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 of course, I work for Barça Blaugranes as well. I write for them, uh, do articles there on a, on a uh, weekly or, or every two week basis. And uh, on D Spot itself, I've had to take a little bit of a backseat to my uh, YouTube channel, unfortunately, uh, just work, because of, of time. Yeah, 
Of course, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if 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 the one person who didn't believe uh, that some of my guests are credentialed, I think they they believe you now. And uh, you also answered <laughs> the. I always wrap the show up with asking where else can people find you. Uh, but it looks like we might not have to do that today because you can see that Diego is a lot of different places, particularly in, if you're in Spain, you can check him out a lot. And uh, still waiting on uh, the expansion of what what I can find on TV and, and what they put online as well. Um, but mm. there's plenty of Diego. And we've got Diego now for this show as well as let's get started. Today's La Gran Pagunta. Who is Barcelona's most underrated player? And one of the good reasons that Diego is on this show today is, again, because he does, he is one half of a podcast with uh, a Real Madrid supporter on his show. And part of that dilemma is that Diego has just done all this winning in the last week. And uh, it probably has created not necessarily a, a little bit of an awkward uh, situation, but it seems <laughs> that Barcelona has not only taken the upper hand, um, but they've taken the upper hand without the use, if you will, in the last week of Lionel Messi. So that's why we're asking today, who's Barcelona's most underrated player? And I guess we can do this through the scope of the last two Clásicos from the week, but uh, a more of a broader picture of all season long and just knowing what a lot of these guys are capable of. Let's start with the most recent El Clásico, Diego, and we'll give our picks at the end, but let's break through some of the possibilities. For me, the man of the match for El Clásico was Ivan Rakitic, and the reason I start here is because I think not only is he the most polarizing member of FC Barcelona for the, we'll call them the FC Barcelona social media community, uh, but, but Rakitic does his job, I think, better than everybody else. There's such a connection now tying him together in that narrative with Ernesto Valverde that because Rakitic is, we'll say, the perfect player for the way Valverde plays, it seems that there is a bias that, well, Rakitic is only useful... It's an if-then kind of clause, if you know what I'm saying, where you know, mm-hmm. if Valverde is the coach, then Rakitic is at his best and the most useful. But he's also been good under Enrique, and it's surprised that he's been here for almost half a decade, and yet people are still kind of questioning whether or not he fits in all of Barcelona. I think if you're underrated by your own fans, I think that makes you a pretty underrated player. Um, so I find this topic very interesting, Dan, and... and... I almost got, there's a Spanish word, which uh, you talk about churros y tácticas. We literally just finished recording uh, this week's pod. And I, I bring it up because the word I used was ventajista. And I, I, I said, uh, I'm sure the, the English equivalent will come up. And it's still, I still haven't found it. It still hasn't hit my brain. It's, it's, it's not advantageous. I mean, that it would literally be the transition, but it's used differently in Spain. Um, but why do I say... Um, Oh gosh, I'm I'm going to be stuck again for for finding a, a word that that describes Ventajista. It's basically taking advantage of the situation. As in, um, now that we see Rakitic play a phenomenal match over the Clásico, we say that he's the most underrated player. You know, everybody's coming out of the closet. Even Jose Mourinho, for crying out loud, uh, has had you know wonderful words to say about the uh, Croatian sensation. And you know, you will never or I shouldn't say you'll never hear me say a bad word about him because that's not entirely true. I've been quite critical of him uh, uh, this particular season, but mm-hmm. there's no doubt about his uh, a track record in Football Club Barcelona. And I still think he has a lot to offer and a lot to give. Uh, and, you know, does he deserve the the renewal of his contract and, and, and everything? I think that's up for debate. Where When it comes to underrated player, to, to answer your question directly, do I think it's Imar Rakitic? No, I don't. I've I've been quite disappointed with what I saw from him, what, what I've I've been seeing from him on a week to week basis, 
Um, and that makes me doubt whether Barca is making the right decision by renewing his contract, thereby, you know, uh, I don't know if he's getting a salary increase. I think right now he's earning around 12 million or, or between 8 and 12 million, something like uh, along those lines. And he's also entering that phase where pretty soon we're going to be talking about him being on the right, the wrong side of 30. Yeah. Um, so my, my worry is, you know, the long term. I have no, you know, the, again, I'm going to repeat myself here. There's no doubt that he's a phenomenal player, that he can still give a lot to Barca. My worry is in the long term, will he stop the progression of other players? From time to time, he can still be brilliant. We saw it in a classical. He's, he's phenomenal. On a weekly basis, that's where I worry about whether he, he will, you know, be able to perform at the level that this Barca squad needs. Um, so I would propose Artur being maybe the most underrated player. I know everybody's raving about him, rightfully so, but, you know, seeing the impact that he had on the second Clásico when he came in, where in the, at least in that first half, Barca looked like a different team to the one that we saw in the, in the second leg of the Copa del Rey. Uh, that's a lot more to the Barca that, uh, that, that, that I'm used to seeing, that I grew up seeing and that I want to see. Well, it seems like before I let you stick on Arthur, we'll, we'll revisit your concrete pick at the end. But I want to go back to the back line for a bit that this last month, Barcelona, it was this dreaded month, this this nightmare yeah. month with the schedule. And no Barcelona wind up not dr- losing any match. They, they drop a few points, but look at the league table. It winds up not really mattering in the long run. They're still in every competition. They've been the final of the Copa del Rey. And yeah. they are they need one goal against Lyon. But the bigger number for me, as far as underrating players on Barcelona, is that zero that's still working mm. in Barcelona's favor against Lyon. And a lot of that is due to not only the form of Gerard Piquet, but then the, mm-hmm. we'll say, under-the-radar signing of Clement Langley, who yes. is, unlike Piquet and Umtiti, he is a reactive defender. And there is a worry that those kind of guys, the Javier Mascheranos, don't necessarily fit or don't necessarily give a lot of confidence to Kool-Aid and yet he's fit in like a glove. I, I've, I've said it's been brave defending from him a lot of the time and he's had very, very few poor performances, if you will. Most of his are exactly what you we've come to expect, which I think is in the same line or same vein as Artur. It's what makes them underrated because we now have a baseline floor and expectation for what they're going to give us and that expectation of performance is, is already pretty high. And I think a similar thing can be said of, you know, Mark Andre Ter Stegen, where we now expect him to be a top two, uh, not a top, but uh, a top one, two, yeah, goalie in the world. And we almost expect the the one, two saves. It's and, a given now. Right. And, and Kevin Williams has even said in a lot in pundits, and there's actually a really good piece by, uh, I, unfortunately, the name escapes me, but in The Athletic about Mark Andre Ter Stegen, because of his height, he's not a superior height goalie like a Courtois, um, like a, even like a David De Gea, they are, they're much taller than Ter Stegen. So Ter Stegen has to get his timing perfectly, and that's what makes his acrobatic saves and his cat-like reflexes so impressive because his timing has got to be picture-perfect. And I, I think we almost, because he's in net and because he's not a part of these, these goal-scoring barrages that Barcelona are capable of, we do kind of forget him as well. And then Jordi Alba, you talked about over 30, he's got that new contract. And so mm-hmm. maybe that new contract kind of takes him out of the running for this underrated thing. But he, I mean, he's been, I mean, and I think people recognize though, I don't know if you can count him underrated as well, because he's been mm. kind of the consensus best left back in Spain, maybe the best left back in 
in a, in a major league this season, mm-hmm. he's been that good and that important to the side. Yeah, or you could even argue with the best lap, left back that that Spain or Barca has ever had in, the, in their history. Yeah, I guess I gave you, I threw a lot at you, but there's how do you a lot pick, in what you said. Yeah, but how do you pick through the defense and how do you pick through which players might be underrated or which ones do you think we fully understand their role? I'll tell you what I, I think uh, in the cases of Marter Stegen and Jordi Alba, uh, the word underrated uh, cannot be attributed to them. I think they've been getting the recognition that they rightfully deserve as well as Piquet. He's been uh, outstanding this season uh, and, and, and had stellar performances uh, in key phases of, of matches and, and important ones at that. Um, long led, though, that's a very interesting pick. And, and I think you're right. You know, for the, for the longest of times, uh, he's been flying under the radar, just quietly going about his business, doing his job. And even I remember an, a, a rec- quite recently an article I wrote about the, the long term, about the future of Barca, where uh, I even gave a prediction as to you know what my what I th- suspect uh, uh, the the lineup will 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 be next season, and I put Longley ahead of Umtiti, and and, and I got a lot of uh, backlash uh, for it. Um, but right now, I think you know we that that is a valid question. Uh, how how Umtiti will return to the squad is yet to be seen. Maybe we'll see uh, you know next weekend against uh, Rayo Vallecano, but. Let's also not forget that Umtiti, before suffering that uh, detrimental injury, he, he had some, some serious dips in his performances. He had some very, very questionable nights that you know, led to either Barca suffering a defeat. I'm thinking uh, the night at Roma as well, for example. Um, and the, the question now has to be asked, you know, with a 100% healthy Umtiti, does he automatically go back into into that starting lineup, or or should it be Longley? And right now, I mean, my pick will be Longley because he has been phenomenal. Everything you just described was 100% accurate. Uh, he sacrifices his entire. I wonder, you know, his entire body for the team. I wonder how many costillas, how many uh, ribs he still has left over because he he uh, got a couple of good ones oh, uh, yeah. knocked against them there against his rib cage, oh, yeah. and uh, he's just he's been he's been flawless. He's been he's been he's adjusted and adapted to this club, the playing style according to Valverde's wishes, uh, you know, just flawlessly and 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 you know that that would be a very good pick, Dan, in terms of underrated player, certainly. Well, we've got some uh, listener questions on that as well, and before we get to La Ronda. Um, I, I think I have to ask you, is there anybody you think I missed on this list of players that you would consider underrated for Barcelona at the moment? Uh, I don't know. You heard this guy, Lil Messi? No, I'm just kidding, of course. Um, what well, would you I think, say? I, I, think mean, you're, I think you're not wrong, though, about the <laughs> fact that I think there are times when it's it's a funny thing about uh, a friend of the show and John Driscoll on, on their uh, what used to be La Liga Weekly podcast, uh, but uh-huh. uh, Eltel and John's podcast. He is a candidate for the La Liga player of the week every single week. And that's what uh-huh. kind of does make him underrated that it's, yeah. I think as a journalist and you know, this, you, you so want to talk about someone else and you, you want to make it more about than just that this quiet little Argentine man shows up, mm-hmm. dominates the opposition and then goes home <laughs> to this loving family. And there's so much, there's so little there that he just shows yeah. up, does his job and goes home and everyone's craved. We're all craving a narrative and we want something else, but he just, he just doesn't have the personality for that. So if you want to talk about someone else, you're going to have to talk about them in the shadow of Messi. And that's kind of what does make him, in a sense, underrated because every other story that's not about him in the times when he's dominating 
winds yeah. up the narrative creates and i know we've talked about the politics of the ballon d'or before but that's why he winds up being fifth in the ballon d'or fifth. voting because... exactly 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 yeah yeah you know i brought it up jokingly of course but you you make it a hundred percent fair point in in bringing this up and saying that uh you know, we almost, you know, we talked about taking uh, actuaciones, t- taking uh, uh, certain players or, or, or their, their performances for granted. And Leo Messi is certainly up there. I mean, it's a scandalous uh, affair that he was voted fifth in, in the Ballon d'Oro race. And, and, you know, being maximum goal scorer, assist giver, shots taker, uh, winner of the dobletes uh, time and time again. And then, you know, it, it, it comes down to... A couple of games in the World Cup or uh, several games in Champions League that then determines uh, to the majority audience uh, to decide who wins that Ballon de Oro, and and therefore he could be argued to be an underrated player. But but um, you know I, I I'll, I'll stick to my guns and say that Artur. I mean a lot has been said about him, but I think yeah I was craving for him to join that team again to get some control back into that midfield, and I think when he uh, when he did in that second uh, Clásico in La Liga, when he uh, was out there on the pitch uh, in that first half, we just saw a little bit of what uh, me personally at least want to see more of this team. And, and I feel like not a lot has been talked about that. So I'll, I'll go and say uh, Artur. Well, yeah, to, to wrap up that messy point, my one of my favorite NBA writers, Kevin O'Connor, uh, he always uh-huh. has this. He, I... he always paraphrases the, a phrase about LeBron that, you know, don't ever underappreciate LeBron James. Don't yeah, ever recognize the same. what we're right. seeing. And it's the same thing with, with Lino Messi. And so I, yeah, I think yeah. for, for this, my pick for Barcelona's most underrated player, uh, I, I think this season it has to go with, uh, I guess my gut is kind of saying Gerard Piquet for the simple uh-huh. reason that he, in his career, has had good stretches of form, and then we know that he's been in bad form. And I mm-hmm. think the mm-hmm. reason... For me, this season he's underrated is because we don't think of ever needing to take him out of a team when you you go even last season when he wasn't at his best. Or two years ago, I don't think it was his Mm. best. And then you go back three years when he was as good as he is now. And the other thing in the back of our minds is there are people wondering, and again, we're going to talk more about PK and LaRonda, but with PK, you wonder, is this his final season? Is this a choice that he's going to make? Or is it next season? Or And what a shock that would be, right? We say no, but then the same respect... PK of those post thirty guys, the core of that team, right between Busquets, Messi, yeah. Alba, and PK, we'll say yeah. you know those four. Who's going to be who's closest to to hanging it up? And Gerard PK is always the answer, right? He's always the one closest to. We we think that he'll he'll call quits earlier than the rest, uh, simply uh-huh. because it's kind of comments that he's made and the personality and and all that is. But clearly, based on form and and what he's been capable of this season, it doesn't look like he's. He needs to be doing that. We're thinking about that very soon, but he is post-30 as well. And just yep. the leadership he's had along the back line as well, I, I have to yep. say that that's it's been so pivotal. His personality has been so important to the team. And uh, in the same way that what's off the field can sometimes be as important as on the field. And he, in a way that Coutinho and Dembele absorb so much of the abuse, we'll say, in the, in the Spanish media in particular, Pique he's the one who navigates he's the one he's the captain of all the others who sits there takes the questions causes the buzz and maybe it's all a little self-inflicted but in the same way it takes mm-hmm. all the attention off everyone else and i think his yeah. teammates kind of in a sense do appreciate that that pk just kind of takes it and absorbs it and you know hears his booze where he does and he, he's a guy that the bernabeo that's hated more than all the rest 
Absolutely. And and uh, let's go one step further. I mean, he even feeds off of that. He wants right. that. So, uh, you know, he looks for that kind of responsibility and reaction from the crowd and uh, it, it, it drives his motivation. So, uh, no, uh, 100% accurate there. I mean, uh, uh, I agree with those points you make for sure. So those are our picks. And I, I think, as, as you heard now, Diego, you had much more conviction with your Arthur one uh, than me. And Ed, that one's hard to deny as well. I, I think the reason I, I almost didn't put him in that category was because of the recent injury. And he has missed uh, a, a portion of the most important month of the season. But certainly, if you re- revisit this in a few weeks or months, uh, depending on how, the way Arthur and his role in the next coming weeks, when the matches will say truly, truly matter, uh, I, I think we can all change our tune. It's going to depend on how... The, the team ends the season but let's not waste any more time time for la ronda it's been a few weeks since we had some listener questions and uh, and james on our closed facebook group where we'll have a link to that at the end in the description james had said that that they've missed the listener questions and uh, we've missed you guys as well it's just depending on guests and schedules and all those things but we're back and we have so many of them uh diego so we're gonna have to not only keep these brief but keep it moving and i'll try <laughs> to do my best with that uh so Sounds let's good. start with a question from armin has, and I guess he says, my opinion or the podcast's opinion changed about Valverde being the coach next year. And this came a few weeks ago when I had said that I, I thought that based on everything that's happening, not results-based, but just based on uh, the way Valverde it, it, and the way that Barcelona managers managing this side takes so much out of you. I think there was a belief that someone else was going to come in. It seemed to be the narrative. But since that time, he has since renewed. And it, it seems that because he's still operating in all three competitions, it's hard to imagine that a guy who's renewed, if he were to, say, win uh, a double, and not the domestic double even, but if, let's say, he wins Champions League in Copa del Rey, well, and yet Copa del Rey in the league has seemed the most possible. But you know what I'm saying. If he winds up winning mm-hmm. two or three cups and he renewed, it's hard to say that he won't be back. So I think... That's it, it. Results have kind of changed the tune more than my opinion of of, of the manager. Yeah, yeah, but, but 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 I'm curious to know your your personal preference here. If you would like him to uh, stay or not, I think it has to do with his vision for the team, and mm. I, I think I could be easily convinced. Right, if if a if there is some major overhaul that could be expected in the squad next season, we know how much he obviously utilizes and uses Rakitic, but my question is, is he a manager that is going to change with his squad? Because I think well, the point here is that with an with the squad being the way it is, a, a little older, we'll say, a little longer in the tooth, he is, is the right manager for the squad of players he has. They love him. Mm. He's, he's playing an experienced game. And I mean, yeah. the way he goes out with the same players based on the expectations of those players. Now, if you wind up saying, well, we've got to give Puj a lot of more minutes, Alenya de young and he winds up then creating a system around and building around uh we'll call a, a new core or he winds up mm. you know if that makes sense he winds up managing to the squad 100%. instead of in trying to inflict his own i mean we're seeing all over particularly in your i mean in uh, england with uh with with sorry ball and all those different things when managers come in and they don't manage their squad but they manage based on their own pedigree that winds yeah. up having problems so i'm wondering if he's able to chameleon his way with a with a squad with some major turnover, particularly in the midfield, then I mean, why not, right? But if yeah. if it looks like within two or three months next year that it, for some reason he's trying to do his old Valverde things with a squad that doesn't fit what he's trying to do, well, then there's a different discussion then. Well, it's ex- 
it's exactly that and 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 i'm very curious i think you gave a very good a good answer and, and one that mirror at least my uh, uh beliefs because that is yet what is to be seen is how does Valverde or can Valverde uh, nurture and bring up the younger generation and and because it's it's crucial it's it's now is the time uh, you mentioned you know the core players there along the lines of Piquet, Rakitic, uh, uh, Busquets, etc. Uh, Messi, of course, Suarez that are all in their 30s and and close to uh, being on the wrong side of 30 and we need to, rather than than reacting to that you know Barca needs to anticipate that and and that is kind of yet to be seen i mean uh we see now more minutes being given to to Dembélé and and and, and but still that kind of irks me the wrong way every time he gets taken off in that around that 75th minute mark uh, where i would love to see him play you know full minutes because uh, I, I don't i don't even know you might know this but i don't even know if he's he's played in, in entire matches this season i don't i don't know the 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 stats to that. Well, I'd have to look that figures, up. But... I'd have to look that up, but I know the reputation, though, for Dembele and what yeah. we've heard. And this again, this might be Spanish media, but it's mm. but it the, the the idea or the the prevailing notion is that his and and some guys physically can't go ninety. That he physically is a guy that does struggle to go mm. the full ninety minutes, just as uh, his physique, as his personal body mm-hmm. uh, has mm-hmm. trouble going mm-hmm. the full ninety. So I, I think a lot of the times it is just based on. Fitness, and it's not even a fitness right. that he could ever overcome. It's just his, his 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 physiological makeup. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, but but having said that, and and uh, going back to a point you earlier made when it comes to the playing style, see, the impression that I have, uh, of course, the outside impression. I'm not in the dressing room, but but the the impression that I have of Valverde and his managing style is exactly that that he he's managing this team as opposed to coaching this team and uh i think last season we saw a much more valverde as a coach that had a, a very clear identity and played a certain way now whether you liked it or not there was a a a, a clear identity to that 442 formation where barca did control the matches with or without the kind of uh brilliance and, and flair that we would like to see or used to see from the Barca team. It was there. Whereas this season, I almost feel that he's trying to transition to a more attractive style of football, but letting the players, and, and again, I, I use this, ter- this term uh, repeatedly because uh, I don't have any other words to describe it, but the, they, letting the dressing room heavyweights kind of dictate uh, the, the style of the match and, and, and that is kind of where I feel more often than not this season where uh, or kind of let down by, by Valverde as a coach because you see these players that are so uh, you know in their 30s and, 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 and playing the match a, a sort of way that I, I do not identify with I don't recognize this playing I don't recognize this Barca it's not a Barca that I grew up with what I said earlier in the pod, when I was, you know, a nine-year, ten-year-old kid watching Johan Greif uh, and his dream team play, and all the years uh, past that, of course. I mean, that was a very that kind of philosophy. That you know, call it tiki taka, call it Barça DNA, call it you know, Cruyffismo, Pep Guardiola, whatever uh, name you want to uh, uh, character you want to attribute to that style of play. That's what you know. I'm used to seeing. I like to see, and would like to see once again. And and right now, this season. We haven't been seeing that from Alverde, and uh, and and that that's really where I have big question marks on whether he is capable of playing that style of football. Yeah, I agree with you on 
pretty much every point you made in terms of even the aesthetics of, of what we're seeing and the aesthetics exactly yeah, and i go yeah. back to uh again i always bring up the nba i'm a big basketball fan i go mm-hmm. to on on when guys are making major money at the end of their careers uh, yeah. i guess kobe bryant is the i may not be a big fan of kobe but uh, kobe bryant comes to mind in that he had so many touches and and he got he dictated so much of what the lakers did in the twilight yeah. of his career i mean and merited the team wasn't very good and and they weren't really pushing for championships at the end of his career but in the same respect messi and suarez it, they've almost gained the right or earned the right to be playing a playing style that right. it, when they give their input, and that's kind of the whole thing, that Messi is still at a caliber and a level that you don't worry about. Uh, you don't worry about having to have a guy coach him or tell him this is where you need to be, this is where you need to be, because he's such an experienced player and he's done so much in his career already. He almost gets carte blanche. And so that's that, this is a whole topic for another just show so you gave yeah. i mean we've actually created a new lagran pagunta for uh <laughs> for weeks down the line but it's whether or not messi might even need to be managed or coached um but not in a way that he can go on his own and be extreme and, and do whatever he wants because that's not his personality but it's where mm-hmm. does he fit as a, as a cog in his system and does he need to be or can, can you just say messi this is the baseline what i need you to do and everything else is just whatever whatever you want to do. It's not a matter of I'm making you or giving you all, or or saying it's all on you, but saying you can do whatever. I take responsibility. And uh, Ellie actually asked about Messi. What is going on with Messi at the moment, though? So this might all be a, 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 a we'll say a negative point if he is or he might have an injury to a groin or hamstring, whatever it may be. Should he be mm. rested now for a few weeks? Well, not for Lyon, yeah. but for the other matches, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Of course. Well, I, ideally, uh, you know, we would like to see Messi maybe rest a little bit more, take a couple of minutes where he, uh, you know, sits it out or comes in a little bit later. Um, and I think he knows that, you know. Um, what I will say is that maybe it was also a good thing to see that there is not as much Messi dependencia as a lot of culés or, or football fans think there is in this Barcelona side. I mean, let's uh, exaggerate this point a little bit and, and, and make the conclusion that Barca managed to beat uh, uh, Real Madrid in, in almost all of the Clásicos, with the ex- uh, exception of that 1-1 in the first leg of the, the Copa del Rey match, but mm-hmm. all of the Clásicos without Messi. Yep. You know, the first one, he wasn't there. The second one, he came on late. And then the, the final two, he wasn't the Leo Messi that we are used to seeing. So... Uh, but but uh, in terms of what's going on with Messi, I mean, you know, it's it's a long season. Uh, he's also in his uh, latter years of the, the football uh, footballing career, and and I think you know there's no shame into admitting that uh, also the style of football that he plays that it's it's, it's a lot of bursts. Uh, it might not be as much running involved as other players, but um, you know it's 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 a very kind of sporadic. A style of football that that is made out of bursts of energy that maybe he needs to conserve that uh, at at this stage of his career. Yeah, I mean, I would say that years down the line, that one nothing all Clasico, and this might be recency bias, but the one nothing Clasico that we just finished, when you go back and say what kind of manager was Valverde, what kind of team was Barcelona, mm-hmm. that's the that's the match I'm going to show them. That was one of, that was one of the most successful and comprehensive one nothing victories that I've <laughs> seen of late. In truth, that mm-hmm. they beat. Via the lead, one nothing as well. But just look mm. at the look at the difference between a one nothing scoreline and a one nothing scoreline, and what that mm. meant. And that was because Messi wasn't dominating, and the yeah. rest of the team showed their strength in that. So let's speed this up a little bit. I've got some and ors or yes no questions for you. So we're gonna keep Great. these brief here. 
Charlie, we'll start with him. Charlie Barso, of course, friend of the pod. Will Rakitic have another season at camp? No. Yes or no, Diego? 100%. Yes. <laughs> I think you're going to have one more of him as well. Victor, will Rakitic and Suarez's performance in big matches change the perception of bashing fans on social media? No, Diego, the internet is broken. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. <laughs> we have no Discord. James, why do we keep, who do we keep, sorry, Rakitic or Vidal? I think we both kind of answered this. I think it's Rakitic, and while Vidal does have uh, one year left on his deal, I think he's done such a great job in one year. There's nothing knocking yeah, you can do that without knocking either player to have to pick one, but I think it's going to be Rakitic that's going to be kept, and if if somebody has to make way for De Jong, whoever it may be, it'll be uh, Vidal. He'll have a next chapter on his what has become a little bit of a mercenary journey. Yeah, yeah, no, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, we mentioned, we answered it before, Rakitic have another season, so uh, even Rakitic wants more than for sure. Mutaz asks, who's worth more on the market, Gareth Bale or Felipe Coutinho? This one, I like this one. Uh, that's a good one. Then, yeah, right. I uh, I'm like gonna this go one. with uh, Coutinho, <laughs> given giving given his given his age. I'll go with yeah. Coutinho. Yep, I would yeah. agree with that. I think the potential that Coutinho has, yeah, you can kind of blame it on the Barcelona effect that some guys just whether it's mentally or they just don't fit in with Messi, which is fair. Uh, that yeah. that he is still going to be able to worth. I mean, Gareth Bale's, they, he has plenty of room to roam, and he was. Him and Tony Cruz did not have very inspiring performances in that Absolutely second of Clasico. They were nowhere to be found. Uh, Ted, will we see the 4-2-1-3 again with Messi, Coutinho, Suarez, and Dembele together? What do you think? I don't think so, Dan. Uh, I don't think we're going to see yeah, Coutinho and Dembele out there uh, at the same time. So uh, just purely because of the way Valverde is currently playing this team, uh, which is quite, uh, I don't want to say a strict 4-3-3 formation. We do see them change up a bit. Uh, uh, but but I don't think that Coutinho will be that guy to uh, play alongside of them, no. All right, the last three here. Andre and Tintin both asked, how do you rotate PK, Lingley, and Umtiti during down the stretch run? So I guess I'll kind of reformulate this, this, this question to you in, you can only pick two, PK, Lingley, and Umtiti. I think you said earlier as well that you would go <laughs> with, with Lingley and PK, right? Right now, yes, 100%. But I think Umtiti, there are still, uh, he still has a very much a role to play. And this is one of those where... Uh, you kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, where you can't get it wrong. Let's put it that way. You pick two, and I think you're okay. You can breathe easy uh, knowing that <laughs> two of the three are at the back line. But, yes, the combination of Lengle and Umtiti, the only question there is they're, they're both left-footed. But, again, I think that matters when you're playing certain systems and there's a certain quality of player. But you're talking about world-class defenders. I'm not mm. that worried which foot they're, 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 the front foot is on. Let's put it that I'll, way. I'll, I'll, make you, I'll quickly just try to make your head spin a little bit more, Dan, and add the name of De Ligt in there. Can you imagine if he joins the squad next upcoming season? What do you do then? Well, as I, as I promised when De Young signed, that I was going to take a break from putting my heart anywhere uh, when it wasn't within the camp. No one, if they're not already signed, then I just got to stay focused. Got to stay focused on the point. season. I'll worry about De Ligt when we're starved for content over uh, the summertime. Right. But uh, we got two more here. Does Sergi Samper and it's we'll have a we'll, we'll do well it, it, he hasn't passed on this isn't the eulogy but we will do a almost a post mortem <laughs> of Sergi Samper and his long career and it really has been a long career 
in Barcelona, in Catalonia, where he's from. Uh, but is his now impending move to Vissel Kobe over in Japan to join Andres Iniesta and David Villa, does it reveal a relationship between the two clubs? So this isn't a question about Samper, more Barcelona and Vissel mm. Kobe. Um, and if there is one, this is a question from Rick, uh, who is living in Japan. So hi, Rick. Is there one? And is the J-League, however, too far a step down to potentially loan players to? Because this isn't a, it wouldn't be a relationship like, uh, say, Man City and Girona, where there is part ownership. It isn't, it isn't like that. It wouldn't just be a feeder club, but is a relationship between the two. My worry is that the J-League might be a little bit too low of a quality. And that's why uh, Takafusa Kubo is reportedly coming back having turned 18 to Barcelona, and they believe that having play, maybe playing him a year in Juvenil A or jumping him right into Barcelona B in the third division in Spain might be just as good experience as him playing in the top league in Japan. Mm. So I think that actually is kind of the answer there, that that tells you that there might be more faith in that. And also Kubo is, would be returning to Barcelona to reintegrate himself into the system as well. That's a big idea. But then, if I quickly interject, isn't there? And I'm I'm totally speaking uh, out of you know with, with out of ignorance a little bit here. But I thought that there was also a relation between Rakuten, the Barca sponsor. You're correct. And that's that's club, why the, it, that's right? the question. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That there is there there are sponsors for both, and I, I think Rakuten might have even more of a hand in the operations, we'll say, of Vissel Kobe as opposed to just right. having a sponsorship relationship with FC Barcelona. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I think it's good to have good relationships with clubs around the world. But uh, Rick is totally right on his on his question of asking, is the J-League just too far yeah. a step down? I, I think, again, there's plenty of Segunda Division teams that, yeah. if anything, Barcelona don't loan enough of their players, as we're seeing with the success, uh, success of Marco Correa. That they, I feel like they don't loan enough of their players that may not be instant first-team players. A guy I, I, unfortunately, I always say now is Carlos Perez and Alex Collado, to me, mm. seem to be the next guys to be loanees. That you can keep them on the Barcelona books, but you know they're now at the age of 20. Send them out at, to a first-team uh, La Liga club. If they succeed there and prove Barcelona quality, then you bring them back. But if not, then you see that they might be in more of a, we'll say, a Christian Teo mold where it might be time to to sell them for for a good amount of money my worry with that dan is that the, i struggle i mean you mentioned Cucu Reya, and he might be the only one that you could consider a success case i, I can for the life of me that's and true we've done this on churros y tacticas for the life of me think of a successful loan spell of a barca player at another squad to then re- and by that i mean returning to barca and being successful at the club yeah, and I wonder, I wonder why that is as well. I th- I, my belief, though, is that a guy like Christian Teo, if he had mm. ever returned to the club after being, particularly after the loan at uh, Fiorentina, if I, if I remember right, if he did mm. return to Barcelona, I think he would have succeeded to a degree. I think he would just, after that second loan, had put himself at a level that he should have been a starter for most clubs in the world, or he should have been playing a big role in a lot of clubs in the way that he does for Real Betis. And even then, he still winds up being a super yeah. sub a lot of times for Keke Setien. But he has a particular yeah. role and deserves time and deserves minutes that he may never got at Barcelona just due to the makeup of their squad. I mean, even if he came back today, which obviously he's not on the books anymore, but if he came back, he's directly competing with Messi, Dembele, and Coutinho. So, again, and Malcolm. And Ma- well, <laughs> I, again, <laughs> I, almost, I don't forget Malcolm because Malcolm is competing in the same way, and we're seeing what that competition looks like recently yeah. for Malcolm that yeah. he stars in in that first El Clasico the 1-1 best player yeah then we haven't seen him since exactly it's crazy 
Well, there's more players integrate as well, being young, as we'll wrap this one up. Final question from Douglas. Uh, can you give an update on the progress of uh, Ricky Pouge and Oral Busquets? Now, I only get to watch on little grainy feeds occasionally. For me, Oral Busquets still looks like he's coming back from that injury. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. long-term injury. He's still not at his best, but he is a leader for that team. And unfortunately, at his position at defensive midfield and how important he is to the makeup of the way they play, unfortunately, the results they get is kind of indicative of how well he's playing, unfortunately. And that, that is kind of an odd thing where if Barcelona are struggling, we're going to get on Sergio Busquets and the same way it works for the Barcelona B team. Uh-huh. If they're struggling, part of the blame winds up being on Oro Busquets if they're not dominating matches in the way they are in the midfield. Um, but I think he's still working his way back. And Puj, I, 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 Phenomenal. Yeah, if you watch him, it's not about size. Don't worry about that. The way he uses his body is absolutely fantastic. He yeah. rides these tackles from guys that, uh, again, they're in the third division. So fouling and uh, tracking yeah. behind, there's a reason why they're not at higher levels. And a lot of times it is, whether it's speed or physically, but he takes a heck of a beating. And if anything, God. top officials in La Liga might protect him more than those uh-huh. third division referees will next year. So I, it's, it's it- yeah. He needs to make that jump over and, and, and as soon as possible ASAP because I, <laughs> I hold my heart with every time I watch him play. Uh, he's so skilled. He's so, I mean, again, I, I invite everybody listening to this podcast to just watch the match over the weekend where Barca B actually won. Ricky Puch was phenomenal. Uh, just, you know, a highlight reel from beginning to end. And uh, it's scary because, like you mentioned, uh, Dan, those those tackles are no joke. And uh, I just, I fear that, that if he doesn't join the first team soon, that he could, you know, he's in risk of, of picking up a very serious inju- injury at some point. Yeah, and I, I, the other thing I would tell people uh, who have fears about him making a jump physically is that, uh, yes, he's 19, he's almost 20, but, oh, in, this, but wait, in the same respect, guys learn how to use their bodies and for a guy like him even if he doesn't wind up growing a lot i would say don't worry about that that Mm. if anything he could fill out if he needed to but if not he's going to use the body that he was given um and i I know that this is from personal perspective i didn't really even grow into my podcasting body until i was uh (laughs) you know i've been been a young athlete but i didn't uh i wasn't at a high level but i wound up not even growing until i was about 20 22 years old and then in the last, you know, now I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but I've even wound up, you know, being able to gain more muscle in my late mm. 20s than I, mm. uh, in, uh, you know, in recent years. And I've been able to gain more muscle years and years down the line. So you never know how the, uh, an individual body is going to change. And uh, it depends on certain guys don't need muscle. Certain guys do. Certain guys, you just need to be able to keep players off the ball and if in yes if andre iniesta could do that for all those years if Lionel messi <laughs> that, that, can do that don't worry about exactly. it exactly <laughs> listen that's the, that's where i was gonna i mean i think the final conclusion to that is exactly what you just mentioned if you see guys like messi chavi iniesta even other teams david silva uh silva etc you know uh, also when you talk about body stature and age being promoted to the first team uh there are your that's there's your footprint those are your examples that's what you need to look at and uh it's it's time that he you know he makes that step up Yep, exactly. Well, Diego, I, I, I think, not to say you've made take a step up, you've almost taken a step down. Again, if people listen to Churros and Tacticas, they find that the, getting you on the show was, was nothing short of, uh, of awesome. Uh, it was really oh, thanks, a great, great discussion today. Now, you let people know where people can find you at the start of the show, but if you can, just run through that list of all the different places that people can check you out again. 
Yes, please. Well, you know what? I'm going to actually plug my social media accounts because I've got embarrassingly little <laughs> amount of following uh, despite getting uh, decent proposure on uh, exposure, I should say, on, on uh, TV and, and, and uh, other places. But follow me at this is the spot. Uh, that's uh, D for Diego. Uh, so at this is the spot. And um, yeah, catch me on Viva La Liga, Churros y Tacticas, uh, the Barca's official channels uh, over the weekend to cover Barca matches. Uh, my YouTube channel, Barca Blaugranes. And um, I think that's about it then. I mean, even you, you can catch me. I mean, because Viva La Liga is actually broadcasted internationally. So it's it's uh, in the US, US, it's on Being Sports um, every Thursday. And uh, it airs 4 p.m. Central European time. So check it out. No excuses. We have no excuses all over the place. And Diego, again, you were fantastic today. And you can check out Thanks, his stuff in the show notes as well. You can just click on his name and you can check him out on social media. And we have some of his links as well. So thanks again for you tuning in to the show. You can check your app and check out those show notes to subscribe to our show as well. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. And this is also where you get your listener questions answered. And we had plenty of those great listener questions today. It was a really fun time having LaRonda. And you can help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. We're also on YouTube now at the Barcelona Podcast. You can listen to some of these video. And you might be listening to LaRonda Gunta today on YouTube as well. You can check us out and hit that subscription button. Thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price nine ninety nine 0% APR while supplies last. At O'Connor Hospital, we've been right here in your own backyard for 140 years. And from our long-standing dedication to our neighbor's health, We've perfected something we call Careology. It's the science of compassion and excellence, which all our doctors, nurses, and specialists are committed to. For us, Careology is more than procedure. It's personal. O'Connor Hospital, your community hospital. och.sccgov.org. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.